and I would like to say thank you to you. Uh, last time we were here, we talked about chairs, and um, this church here sent us a lot of uh, money to buy chairs, and then we also gave the opportunity to other churches uh, in the area to participate. That's why some of you received uh, a letter in the mail, but as we said, many of you already blessed us with those chairs. We were in Congo. In, in Angola, we visited Congo for three weeks, where the center is, where the chairs are going to be, and then students will use those chairs as we train them for ministry and as we train them for radio ministry, especially because we have a studio there. There is a church in Zealand, <coughs> like sent us two couples who came there and put together a radio studio for us. So we will be recording uh, radio programs there. And then uh, the chairs that you guys uh, uh, provided will be used for that. Now, Charlotte told me not to ask anything more. Uh, <laughs> but so uh, we were in Africa for a whole month. We burned a lot of cash there doing ministry. So if you want to re replace a little bit of that cash, we'll be good. <laughs> so <clears throat> I just. You can know that I don't obey you a lot. So, Charlotte, sorry about that. But I feel, you know, it's a, it's, um, you guys can't go there. You can't speak French. We can go there on your behalf. It's a teamwork. So, we can go there. If we don't have the resources, then we can't do the work. So, that's why we work together. You guys pray for us. You guys support us. And then we go there and minister. You know, we've been there, we were there for a month. It's tiring, you know, it's constant. I don't remember having slept for more than six hours because there are always people coming. People tell me it's like a hospital. People come for prayer and prayer, and you pray and you pray and you pray and you see. But the joy. You preach, and then you see people saved. You know, we were there, and 10 people came to the Lord, and we prayed with them. They gave their lives to Jesus, and then we sent them to local churches. And then Charlotte spoke to like 500 women. They were in a kind of stadium, uh, theater. They were full of them, and Charlotte, you know, she speaks calmly. She's not uh, agitated like I am, you know. And, and they listen calmly. Beautiful. You preach the gospel and then you see people sobbing because they were touched, you know. Remember, those people did not know Jesus. Now they know him because somebody presented Christ to them. Now they don't know you. They didn't see you, but you are with us because you make our ministry possible. So we really appreciate that. So Charlotte will be out there with her smiling face. You can take, uh, if you don't, yeah, she's, could you stand up a little bit? Oh, come on, yes. <laughs> yes, she will be out there if you can ask her all questions and all the stuff out there. Okay, good. That's good. I made my commercial. Now <laughs> I can preach. 
John chapter 8, verses 1 to 11. Could you play out a little bit with the sound? I can hear a hollow thing. 1, 2, 1, 2, 3, John 8, 1 to 11. If you can play with the sound a little bit. One, John 8, 1 to 11. The, the gospel of John. 8, 1 to 11. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple court where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left. With the woman still standing there, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and sin no more. Lord, I pray as I explain your word that your power may touch us. We need help. We come to you as broken. Father, touch us through the word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I will speak about three things this morning from this text. The one is guilt. The second is self-righteousness. And the third thing is overwhelming grace. Let's start with the first one, guilt. <clears throat> you may disagree with me. But this text here in this story, even if you don't agree with what the Pharisees are doing, you agree with one thing. This woman is not innocent. She is guilty. They did not frame her. The Pharisees are not lying. This woman is in trouble. She did it. She is guilty. Now her guilt is made worse because she is being accused by three people. Three groups of people are accusing this guilty lady and making her guilt worse. The first group of people accusing her making things worse, is herself. This very woman knows. She's a Jewish woman anyway. She knows the law. She knows that adultery is a terrible thing to do. You have to die. They have to kill you. They have to stone you. She knows that. This woman knows that she is the reason she's in trouble. She is herself. The reason of her own trouble. She is the one condemning herself. 
she's making her own guilt worse because she is accusing herself too. What kind of a person am I? Maybe you can't hear her because the text doesn't say so. But the first person accusing this woman is herself because she understands this is not how I should live my life. But I have no power to overcome my negative impulses. Then there is a second group of people accusing this woman, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. They are accusing her not because they really care about the law. They are accusing her because they are using her to destroy Jesus. She's just a toy. toy. They want to kill her quick. And they are accusing her. She committed her sin in private. Now they take it, they put it in front of everybody else. They make her stand there. What really shocks me in this story is, where is the man who did the whole stuff with her? They hide their colleague. They prey on the weak lady. They expose her there. Where is the man? The man is hidden. They don't want their, their friend to come out. But they only put all the pressure on this lady. Accusing her. Only of the sin that they did to now she's the only one who is going to pay for it. And then there is a third person accusing her, Satan himself. You know what kind of stuff Satan tells you? You are so bad. God will never forgive you. Kill yourself. I'm not saying this uh, in theory. I was counseling a lady who cheated on her husband six times. And then she told me, Pastor Paul, she's a Christian lady. She said, you know what? I just want to kill myself. I said, why? Because, I, I mean, how can I live? I knew it was not her. It was the devil telling her, it's too late. God will never forgive you. Kill yourself. Now, did you notice in the text? The Pharisees, are asking Jesus to become an accuser. Join us, Jesus. Let us just finish this lady off. There are so many Christians who spend their time accusing themselves before God. I know. It is true. Who is perfect? Who doesn't sin? But Christians are crippled by guilt. They ask forgiveness for the same sin over and over and over and over. But they never accept forgiveness. That God actually forgives. No. They are waiting for what I don't know. Listen. You already did it. You can't undo it. We are, we accuse ourselves. We make our guilt so thick that we spiritually don't function anymore. We carry so much weight. But then it's not only us. It's also the people around us. They point finger, fingers on us all the time. Huh, he's divorced. Huh, he's this. Huh, he's that. Christians are cruel. 
And then a church that is full of guilt is a church that is weak. And the devil knows if he can cripple you with guilt. Justify guilt. Yes, you sinned. But he doesn't allow you to see forgiveness. Then you will be stuck there. And the devil is always there telling you, what kind of a Christian are you? Look at yourself. God can never love you. You know, guilt. How much of it do you have? How much of it do you carry as I'm talking to you today? How much guilt do you still have? It's so, guilt does not belong to your heart. No, understand something. You will see that when I speak to you at the end of the sermon, when I get to the third point, because she... I graduated from Calvin Carla Seminary. We only preached three sermons with three points. You know? <laughs> Guilt. How much of it are you still carrying? You say, Pastor Paul, it is justified guilt. Uh-huh. But why do you still have it? And then there is my second point, self-righteous people. The Pharisees, they are telling Jesus, Jesus, look at her. She is guilty. She has to die. And Jesus calms down. He's writing on the full ground. And they're pushing him. And Jesus stands up and just looks at them and says, okay, fine, let's do it. Anyone of you who has no sins throws the first rock on, at her. And the Bible says they started pulling Peeling away one at a time. Self-righteousness. Your marriage is in trouble. Not because your wife is bad. It's because you are self-righteous. Your marriage is in trouble. Not because your husband is bad. It's because you are self-righteous. And your marriage is done. Because both of you are self-righteous. Your kids, you don't get along with them because you are self-righteous. You kids, you don't get along with your parents because you think you know it all because you can play with those computer things. You can, you're better than your father. <laughs> we are in trouble in this country because each one of us is self-righteous. I know it all. They just have to listen to me. But then Jesus just sends all of us. He says, anyone of you who has it together stands and shows off so that people can see. Jesus is telling the Pharisees, you see that woman you are exposing there? She is no different. You are no different than her. You only have different kind of sins. Her sin is public. Yours is hidden. That's what Jesus is telling them. And then take courage, kill her. If you are perfect, they all run away. 
Let us be kind. Let us be patient with one another. Listen to me. I come from Africa. I was over there for the whole month. I couldn't wait to get back here. This is a beautiful country. Don't mess it up. Don't mess it up. There are no bad Americans. No. There are Americans with different views. Calm down. Listen. And then talk. Don't destroy this country. When people say this is the hope of the world, it is true. You come with me where I go, then you will understand why I'm saying this. But then, my third point, Jesus tells them, listen, you are no better than the lady you want to kill. You have a different set of problems. It takes courage to be humble and to let other people live. When you start with the, uh, the, the, the feeling that I have it all, I know it all, you will end up in trouble. You know, when I say this, I can hear Charlotte saying, that's exactly who Paul is. No, I'm not kidding. I'm self-righteous. I believe I have all the answers and everything. But then I make terrible mistakes with that attitude. And I fail. See, in ministry, when you go in ministry with that kind of attitude, you, you know, things don't go well. You know, you wake up the Lord wakes you up in a very hard way because you realize without Jesus, you can do nothing. I'm asking you, how are you aware of your self-righteousness or are you not aware of it? I am. What made me aware of my self-righteousness are the mistakes I make. And then those people, when Jesus told them, if you are okay, kill her, they run away. And the lady is left there standing. Did you notice in the story, she had said nothing. They brought her there, picked, put her there, she's standing there. People have got her stones already to kill her. She's just standing there. Did you notice? She said nothing. Everybody else is talking. People are screaming around her. She just is full of guilt, scared to death, ashamed. And then Jesus asks her a question. Where are they? Those self-righteous people who wanted to kill you. Did you follow the, the change of verbs? They were accusing. Now Jesus says, did they condemn you? 
which means, did they actually kill you? And she says, no. She speaks once. No, sir. And Jesus answers, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. Jesus' answer is the gospel. Condemnation, death, punishment, all of it, Jesus cancels. I don't condemn you. What Jesus is saying is that you are guilty. I know that. You did it. I know that. It's not the first time I know that. I know everything about you, Jesus is telling her. I disagree with your lifestyle. But I'm not going to kill you. I won't allow nobody to kill you. Because in a few days, I'm going to die for you. That's the main reason I'm preaching this sermon today. Because Passover is coming. Somebody has to die for the sin of the world. Jesus says to the lady, I'm not, you're not going to die. I'm going to die for you. Your sin costs something. Your sin is terrible, but you won't pay for it. I will. That's why I don't condemn you. Go. Your sins don't disappear. They change. I take it. This is the gospel. That's it. Overwhelming grace. What is grace? You know, Christians, they just talk about grace. They don't experiment. They don't know it. Grace is what? God lets us off the hook. I love fishing, you know. Like we come like this from ministry, uh, one month of preaching and running around Africa trying to save them all, and they don't want to get saved. We have to do all kinds of stuff. And I come over here in Michigan. The, the only thing that calms me down is going to those nice lakes and fishing. You know, I just put it there. If you don't like fishing, that's your problem. You know? <laughs> I love it. When they bite, it just makes me, oh, I feel good about it. And then when you hook it, the fish is hooked. That's it. Now, don't pull too hard. It's going to break. So you just play with them until they get tired. And then you reel it in. And then you look at it. Oh, my. I don't return them. I eat them, you know. Grace, what is it? Is God letting you off the hook? You are already hooked. You are stuck. He unhooked you. That's grace. Folks, listen carefully. The gospel, Jesus is dealing with guilty people. And he sets them free and tells them to go home. And there your sin is forgiven. I don't condemn you. Go. Sin no more. Wow. Is it true, Jesus? You just, you just let it go? All the mess I have created? All the problems? Yes. I know you can't fix yourself. 
I'm fixing you. I'm letting you go. Go, sin no more. Does that make sense? It doesn't make sense. I tell you, grace does not make sense. Because why would you let somebody who is guilty go free? Because see, that's what God says in Romans uh, chapter 8 verse 1. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I have a question for you. Well, what time is it? Five minutes left, eh? I mean, your church is very good. There is no clock here. We can go over and on and on. You know, some churches, they put a big one here. So, you know, you know. Brothers and sisters, I want to finish my sermon. Why are you, why do you feel guilty? Tell me. Really. What did you do? That the blood of Jesus that will be spilled in a couple of weeks can't fix. I'm tired of you going your way, living your life weak, burdened. What did you do that the blood of Jesus cannot remove? You will say, Pastor Paul always comes and talks about this. Yes, I will be repeating this over and over. Because we don't understand the power of the blood. You do not have permission to carry your sins. Because somebody else already did. You have to lift your head up. You have to go home. You came in guilty. You came in ready to be killed. But somebody else died for you. So you can go home free. This lady was going to go home. Not going to go home. She was going to go to the cemetery because they would have stoned her. Now Jesus says, no, no stoning today. You're going home. Go and sin no more. Because I'm going to die for you. You don't die. I want you to go home today. Whatever you did. Did you notice in the text? Jesus did not spend time asking her to repent, asking her to, no. She, Jesus just declared, I don't judge you. I don't condemn you. You are forgiven. Go. Just like that. No time to check her up. No. Jesus speaks with authority, looks in the eyes, looks in the heart, and says, guess what? It's done. You go home. She did not open her mouth to ask for forgiveness, to apologize, you know? No. Did she apologize? No. She just absorbed the grace. Can you absorb grace as I'm talking to you this morning? Can you just absorb it? That God has accepted you the way you are with all your mistakes, with all your foolishness. And he, he just gives it to you. Go and sin no more. Wow. I accept it. That's why I consider myself. I have, my name is Paul. I call my, myself Saint Paul. I am a saint. Why? Because I take it. 
God gives it to me. I don't reject grace. I accept it. And I count on him to help me. So if you are feeling like, eh, you know, Pastor Paul, you don't know my story. You have no story. Your story is my story, is our story, is humanity's story. Is the story of sin. God has a story for you. Is the story of forgiveness. Guilt. Self-righteousness. Overwhelming grace. Amen. Oh my. Now I can go rest after I preach this sermon. You know. So what is the song we're going to sing to get out of here? Thank <laughs> you.